Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Rage Podcast. Before we dive into the episode, I wanted to offer a quick background to one of the movements that you may hear of in this episode that is DU specific. The No More Pios movement has been an ongoing social movement in protest of the pioneer moniker at the University of Denver. Given the history of the Sand Creek Massacre, which DU's founder John Evans was found to be culpable for, many have highlighted that the pioneer name which seemingly celebrates westward expansion at the expense of indigenous lives, further adds to historical and contemporary violence against indigenous peoples. Resources, as always, to learn more about this in terms of the No More Pios movement, the Sand Creek Massacre, or the John Evans Report, and other movements that are DU-specific, that are in advocacy for the retiring of the pioneer nickname, will be provided via links in the description box under this episode. First and foremost, thank you all for being here and sharing this space with me. I'm really excited for our conversation. I do want to note that this episode will have multiple voices, so not just one person will be talking. So if when you first introduce yourself, if you'd be willing just to say your name so we can get the names and the voices kind of in tune together. So the first thing I'm gonna ask y'all to do is if you would introduce yourselves and you can take that however you would like, just so we can learn a bit more about you all. And then we'll dive right into learning more about social justice solidarity series. So Victoria, if you would be willing, can you start us off? Yeah, of course, hello. My name is Victoria Martinez, and I am the undergraduate student organizer for the Social Justice Solidarity Series here at DU. A little bit about me, so I'm originally from New Mexico. I identify as Hispanic, Chicanx upbringings, and I'm a fourth year here at DU undergrad. Hello, everyone. My name is Brian Guzman. I'm a second year grad student here at Joseph Corbell. My program studies in Child Security. I was born and raised in Washington, D.C., and I'm currently living in Denver for my master's. My role for the Social Justice Solidarity Series is I'm the Assistant Communications Manager. That's my title, but we all do more than just what our title says. And one fun fact about me is I enjoy cooking. I don't look like it, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> Well, first of all, thank you for having us today. My name is Rose Kispe. I'm a second year grad student at Corbell in the Gifty program. My role within the Social Justice Solidarity Series is a marketing, social media, and internal communications slash graduate student organizer. I'm Aaron Schneider. I'm a professor at the Corbell School of International Studies. I'm also the Associate Dean of Academic Affairs. Awesome, awesome. If someone was unfamiliar with Social Justice Solidarity Series, be that they're not DU affiliated, how would you introduce it to them? The Social Justice Solidarity Series started, I want to say about four, maybe five years ago. I I joined DU about six years ago. It started when I observed that there was just a need to 
create space, build power and support, especially those students who are students of color, immigrant students, first-generation students, students from working-class backgrounds who oftentimes feel like DU isn't a place for them. And so creating a space that could be theirs and then using my office and offices simply to support whatever it is that they decide that they need is something that I wanted to, to create. And so it's changed over time as different leaders cycle through, and we've got three great ones now, but as different leaders cycle through, they identify the things that are priorities for them. And then my job is to find the money or the people or the space and the, the cover to, to allow them to, to do what they do. And I focus on those populations, one, because they're the, the ones who are, who've been most excluded at DU, um, but also because they're the most interesting and powerful and radical actors for change on campus. And, and they're, they're all shaking. I think there's a podcast. You, we won't actually see you all pumping your fists and, and, and smiling, but, but it, it's all true. And so recognizing that that's where the fire is on campus, I just wanted to build that power. Thank you for that, Aaron. Something that you all have highlighted within both of your introductions, but then also in our conversation that we just had before is the idea of creating space and creating a space where dialogue can be shared. So one of the things that I have to ask about that is just within your events, within your planning, when you're listening to students, when you're listening to faculty or staff, are there common experiences or hopes or challenges that they often express about either higher education in general or do you specific? Yeah, most definitely. You know, especially in the first event that we hosted this year in our open forum, we were able to create this space for students of color to come in and talk about their experiences at DU and to inform the community of like these injustices that we're facing in the classroom, walking to classes, not feeling comfortable, you know, sitting in the library or eating at the dining hall because there's just simply nothing that you can relate to. There's a lot of overlapping experiences that, that students face at DU since we are a predominantly white institution. You know, it's hard for us, it was hard for me to find a community, to find safe space, to find something that I can really connect with, you know, and I think that's a commonality between a lot of students of color here at DU who at some point are even considering moving schools or transferring somewhere because there's just nowhere for them here. Especially now during these turbulent times, these issues are being addressed. Well, we are addressing them and we are bringing them to light. You know, we're talking about it. We're being loud, we're using our voices. And we've been experiencing this for for like a year now since the Black Lives Matters movement really took hold and that the No Pilots movement really gained steam last quarter. You know, we're talking about these things and it's important to highlight that nothing's really been done about it. And, you know, DU has this huge initiative of inclusive excellence that they claim that they're diverse and that students here are have a feeling of acceptance and inclusivity. But when you're really on the ground as a student, where is it at? Because I don't see it. I don't feel it. It's all about, you know, the societal norms 
that have been established by our institution who was founded on white supremacy, who was created for and by white elites who don't have the interest of students of color at heart, who don't care about us, or they use us for their cover. You know, they use us for their image of diversity and inclusion. We're pawns to the to the institution, you know, the institution of white supremacy that we see at DU that needs to be spoken, that exists. So that's just kind of my take on that. I would say add into what Victoria said, a lot of the sentiments to st- uh, students of color who attend PWIs are that we're in a constant survival mode where we have to not only take care of our studies and like making sure we're doing well in class, but also like taking care of our mental health, taking care of like, it's anything, am I gonna encounter a racist person today? Or am I gonna like not feel safe in this environment that I'll go to in class? Or like, am I gonna read a text assigned by my professor that's, you know, says just like problematic things and controversial things that may affect me. So it's a lot of the times it's just like survival mode. And I would say I have that experience too. And like as a grad student going into international studies school, not finding that international side in the students, like still like an international school being 80% white students and having to encounter people who are close-minded even at an international school, you know? So that's why I would say like creating that base for students to come together and like share their experiences. And like many times, like once we do share our experiences, they are pretty similar and we can connect with one another and to talk about like what happened and all of that, how I would describe like our experiences of like students of color at DU would be like survival mode constantly all the four years that you're in undergrad and like or the two years that you're in graduate school. One thing that that has always struck me along these lines is is the way in which and we do this and Victoria just mentioned it the first event that the social justice solidarity series does every year is that sort of open house that that, that she described and it started because one of the students who was doing the leadership role that that these students are now. His name was Darren Harvey. He said something exactly along the lines of what what Rose and and Victoria have just expressed. And what he said was, I'm always on my guard. And and that thought just kind of like, it it was shocking for, for lots of folks, but it was shared by everybody. Everybody who was in the room at that time knew that. And, and so this, this became the structure of that, of that session, which is the first session of the year in which we just go around the room and we say, what has happened? What has happened to you? What, what, what is, what is, what is your experience at DU been? And it's a reading. It's a comment in class from a professor. It's a, it's a, it's a slur from another student. It's an aggression from a staff person. It's, it's something. And everybody has had them and they go around the room and it, it, it gathers steam. And we ask everybody, we say, what happened? How do you feel? How did that make you feel? You know, and, and, and it's important to get to that issue of feelings. 
you know, to know that like, this is, we're, we are human beings and, and we need these spaces to work through these feelings and to share them because these, these experiences are common. And once you start to get that common experience, then you start to, to get the analysis and say, wait a second, why is it that this happens to all of us? Why is it that we all share these experiences in one way or another? And once you get that analysis, a common understanding of what DU is and why it reproduces those experiences and what those experiences mean, well, then you can say, well, what are we going to do about it? And that's that, that's that meeting. That, that, the first meeting of the year is to say, all right, what are we going to do about this shared experience and our shared analysis of where it comes from and how it needs to change? And so what has been happening? How do we feel about it? Why does this keep on happening? What, what, what creates this situation? And what are we going to do about it is then our agenda for the year. And it, it includes actions, you know, protests. We need, to, we need to say no to this offense, the pile, the DAPL pipeline. You know, there, there have been some amazing things that, that students have led on campus because they, they, they've, they've needed to act. They wanted to act. It's trainings. And so I know that, that the students mentioned, Tori, I think was, was saying just now that, that we're going to have a training either the 21st or the 28th of February on campaigns. And we've done that before. In other words, students recognize through this, under, this analysis that, all right, if we need to make a change, get rid of the, the P word, get rid of the Stapleton name that's on infrastructure around campus. If there's, a, if there's a goal that we need to get to, we need a systematic scientific approach to that campaign. This is what labor organizers do. This is what community organizers do. So we'll bring in somebody that runs campaigns that says, okay, here's how you do a power analysis to know who your friends and who your enemies are and how, how powerful they are and where they stand, how you move their positions. And then this is how you strategize actions and escalate them over time so you can get to that goal. Get rid of the P word, get rid of the staple name, whatever the that goal is, it's about laying out a campaign. And so organizers do this every day, all day, and we're going to get one of them on campus on the 21st or the 28th, and they're going to give these skills, you know? And so that's that's part of the, the series too, is to say, all right, we, we need to we need to impart skills. And then you know, one thing that also was, has been a big part of this, this series is, is, to, is the solidarity word. And so, you know, it's called the Social Justice Solidarity Series because, you know, there's the recognition that there's lots of power already amongst the students who have been traditionally excluded on campus. And yet they are in different groups. They're in different silos. They're in different places. And so building solidarity so that we recognize you know, that shared analysis, we recognize that the, the Latinx student who feels excluded shares something with the African-American student who feels excluded, shares something with the working class student who feels excluded, and that those shared experiences come from a shared problem and that acting together, they can build solidarity across their different groups, you know, and, and that takes some articulation. You got to weave together what brings together a uh, LGBTQ plus and a Latinx and an African-American and a working class student and an immigrant student so that they understand their exclusion as something that they share and that they understand the action that's to be taken as something that they're gonna to do together. And all of that is about building up solidarity. So like 
you know, it's about actions. It's about training and skills and the resources that, that go into that. And it's about coming up with that solidarity, which has to be built. Something that you talked about that I had written down was that idea of where there's people, there's power. And that ties back into a lot of what y'all have said about coalition building and then also solidarity, that people coming together and using our voices has an impact and has power. Something that we've highlighted within this conversation is the experiences that a lot of students of color, those with marginalized identities, have on higher education is dehumanizing. And so there's this constant feeling that you're subhuman or there's this feeling that you don't belong, imposter syndrome, in that sense that just having someone being able to listen and validate your experiences can be healing in and of itself. We realize that we might have experiences that we share with someone else. And then that realization that it shouldn't be this way. And then what Aaron had said, once we realize that it's not, shouldn't be this way, then we are going to decide what we can do about it. So I think it all starts from that acknowledging of you are a human with human emotions and that we all share these stories. So I think both of those ideas just really embodied why spaces like social justice solidarity series are necessary because they're humanizing. They're a space where you can share your story, be validated in a space that typically invalidates your existence, invalidates your intelligence or your ability to just be within higher education. And then that also that when we're talking about the problems that we're facing in higher education, that it's not enough to just talk about it as Aaron said, but that we also have to decide what we're gonna do about it. So action steps and next plans. So kind of going off of that, before we move into learning more about you all, I would like to know for DU specific or for higher education, what needs to be done? And this is a really big question so that you <laughs> do not have to answer the broad question, but where can we start now in creating an environment in higher education that can better support students with marginalized identities? I think a lot of it is student with student interaction. You know, I think it's the relationships that you build with your peers, um, specifically, you know, with our white allies to really help us bridge the uh, the gap that we're facing, you know, as students of color of not feeling accepted and everything, you know, I feel like a lot of it has to do with the feeling of exclusion that we get from our white peers and counterparts, you know, who perhaps maybe don't even know how to approach us, maybe benefit of the doubt. But, you know, we need to build some type of, of inclusive atmosphere within the classrooms, walking to and from classes, in the dorms, in the hallways, you know, why do we have to feel like we're either unseen or we're at the center of attention because we're the only person of color in the room. I think that has a lot to do with it. That's also my sociology coming out of me <laughs> because that's like part of what I study. But then when it comes to administration and their part in all of this, you know, DU in particular needs to, you know, it needs to recognize the foundations that were built on white supremacy. We need to get rid of the pioneer. We need to establish 
that this notion of inclusive excellence is surface level and does not include you know, the feelings and lived experiences of our students of color on campus. You know, it's, it's foundational change. I'm just my politics and who I am in general, you know, I'm just like overthrow the whole system, but I'm not gonna like promote that right now, you know, but you know, we need to really come, come together as, as people of this institution. Like I said before, it's all in the people, power to the people but they need to listen to us. Um, they need to hold forums for students to express um, their concerns and their experiences, like how we do it, because we hold these events every year, like, hey, come tell us what's up. Why doesn't DU do that? You know, why don't other institutions do that? And then build on those actions. It's the structure of it all. So reorganize your priorities, DU. Show us some respect and show us that you care. I wanna add to the making sure that the administration makes us feel like we're heard. Um, I feel like a lot of the times when we bring up an injustice like to the DU administration, they're either either at an offense, so offensive side, like why, like, you know, why would you think that we meant this, this and that, or they present to care by holding tone deaf events asking us to share our experiences. Um, but what like they don't understand is us sharing our experiences of like micro macroaggressions that we've been through at this institution, it takes a lot out of us. So if we're going to an event where we're sharing what we've been through and like the hardships that we've been through um, throughout our time here, we're expecting for a change to happen because yes, we want to be listened, but what is listening if nothing will happen after that event, if multiple events will occur within the year, but we see no change. So we're just here as students, just sharing our experiences. Yes, like I'm having like a hard time, like situating myself in this environment, like all of this, but then what happens next? It's good that they're telling us like, we're here for you, but are you really here for us if you're not gonna take action to make sure that we do the next generation of students feel included? Because I'm sure like this activism has been going on for so many years and like so many decades. And what has happened, like what has changed throughout? Like why are Brian, Victoria and I still feel, feeling excluded? Like, why are we still creating this group so that other students don't feel excluded? Because I'm sure people in the past, students in the past have shared their experiences. So, so I would say like the administration needs to listen and act upon it and ask us like, what do you need from us? And then actually take an action plan to, to make sure that we see that what we tell them that we need from them happens or else the listening is, is just tone deaf and that nothing will happen. Yeah, I think something that you had talked about was the idea of listening. And there's a difference between what we'd also talked about before, just listening and then not correcting the problem. 
you know, there's that phrase where it says that there's a difference between listening and hearing. And I think that something that also Victoria said that ties back into this is the idea of foundational change is how Victoria phrased it. And that when we're talking about these things, there has to be action with it. Or once again, it's just bringing up the traumatic experiences for students without actually caring about their well-being. I think we see this a lot and something that Victoria had said at the beginning of the episode was the idea that DU specifically, their retention rate for students of color is really bad because students get here, they're experiencing these micro macroaggressions, they have no outlet for support and so they leave. So, but then we have diversity summit or we have these statements of how diverse and inclusive we are, but that's just lip service and it doesn't actually reflect the true experiences of students on campus. So I think when Victoria is talking about the foundational changes, we do have to acknowledge that the system as Victoria, or I believe it was Victoria had stated before was not designed for us. And so we do have to, in many ways, reconstruct what that looks like. Before our time ends, I want to highlight you all as people and to highlight the work that you all do and to have our listeners be able to kind of learn more about the faces behind social justice solidarity series. So we're kind of going to have a little shift for a moment, but I would like to know, and this is kind of also a broader question, but for you all, what are you doing at this moment? What are your, you can take this however you would like to take it. What would you most like for our listeners to learn about you all as humans, as individuals? I'm gonna talk more about just kind of like how I got here in the first place. So as I had mentioned a little in my introduction, I am a student from New Mexico. Um, I'm also identify as Chicana, and I identify as working lower class background in my family status. When I first came to DU, I came completely by myself. I was the only one from my whole high school who even went out of state for college. And so that was a huge deal for me. I came here hoping to find a sense of community in a living and learning community, you know, anywhere on campus in my classrooms or anything, you know, my first program that I came to was international relations um, in Corbell. And so I was hoping to get some type of a sense of international connections, you know, people from all around the world, or at least people who were of different nationalities and cultural backgrounds. That was the experience I wanted to get for my undergrad. However, I didn't get that, you know, from DU as most of my classmates, most of my people in my communities were wealthy, like people not of color, you know? And so it was so hard for me to find my outlet, so hard for me to find my community. And so when I finally was able to, it was like a breath of fresh air, you know? I can finally be myself with these people. I had mentioned that I had gotten that from the Multicultural Greek Council community. So that was a huge outlet for me with my sorority and other sororities and fraternities on campus. That's where a lot of my expertise is here at DU. So any listeners who are listening want to know more about that, I got you. Also, you know, with within this last year, just 
seeing everything that happened with the Trump administration and knowing all of the injustices that were going on on campus, you know, it was it was time for me to get involved. It was it was time for me to do something and to make a change in my greater community, which is the whole reason why I came to DU for international relations in the first place was because I knew I wanted to make a change. My senior year of high school, I was in my first ever government class and Trump was getting sworn in as president. And I'm like, how could we have gone from this to that? in such a small amount of time, you know, and then everything that he was talking about, all of his, you know, remarks on Twitter, I was like, how can we have this representing me, you know, representing my community, America, you know, in general, you know, and then this last election, I realized, dang, at least half the country believes in whatever this dude is saying. And so that was a huge eye awakening for me in the sense that we have a lot of work to still do. And obviously we don't learn from history as a as a country either. So that's why I'm in this work that I'm doing right now, um, because I believe that we have so much potential when we are in these spaces, when we are in these type of leadership roles to really make the impact that we want, which is why this is just the beginning. You know, this is just the beginning. Social Justice Solidarity Series, provides a huge opportunity of network and like family of people who are like-minded and people who want to be the change and make the difference and you know it ties back into we can't just be a student we have we don't have that luxury we have to be fighting for our own equities in this world that we should have from the beginning but we obviously don't I'm so pleased and happy with this community that I found on campus, you know, despite all of the boundaries and things that are set in place for us, there is still hope and there is still opportunities for you to meet people who think like you, who look like you, who feel like you. So don't give up, you know, especially our first, second year students out here who maybe haven't found their their niche yet or haven't found their community yet. There's people here who are feeling the exact same way you are, I promise we're here you just have to be patient you know go to events look into some organizations and get affiliated because there's definitely a place for you and there's an outlet for you to be who you are i was born in uh, peru i migrated to washington dc when i was eight and i was raised in dc i'm in a very diverse community a low-income community and for my undergraduate I went to a PWI in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania, and it was very hard for me to like find a space for myself. I also did a lot of activism work at my undergrad. So when I came to DU into the master's program at Corbell, I found myself in a similar situation as in my undergrad and coming once again into a PWI and being the only Latina woman or like even like student of color in each of my classes. But I found myself like even more prepared as in my master's program, like to encounter those like micro or microaggressions. But what, what empowered me was also finding a group, which is called the Corbell Graduate Students of Color at Corbell and that helped me like find myself and within the master's program and feel more confident in myself and um, telling myself like this is where I'm meant to be. 
in regards to what I offer to other students, I would say like I offer an open and safe space for students of color. Honestly, like if there's a student out there who's listening to this podcast who is having like any hardships or is going through micro macroaggressions, racism at DU, I am always open to hear and provide support or advice, whichever you pick. Also, if you need me to look over your resume or cover letter or even like sing karaoke together, just be aware I don't sing well. (laughs) But I'm always like open to meet new people and like be in support to them because I was in need of that when I started my undergraduate career and I wish there were people who who were like in a higher grade than me who would say, hey, like I'm here for you and I'm here to listen to what you have to tell me. So that's why I always like put myself out there and so that whoever I was looking for back then, so that I can be that person for that person who's looking for somebody to talk to and tell their stories to. Well, I mean, you can tell how awesome these students are and what amazing leaders and family they are. And that's just, you know, that's why I do this. I just really appreciate and I get energy from feeding off the energy of amazing people like like these students. And so organizing for me is my self-care. I recognize that at DU and in our in our society in general, you know, there's that that quote, power gives up nothing without a demand. Uh, if there's no struggle, there's no progress. Frederick Douglass, he is clear. You got to organize. You got to organize. You got to organize. And, you know, as long as there are students of color who are experiencing attacks, you know, I'll, I'll be with them. As long as there's staff on campus who are passed over for promotions or whatever, I'll be with them. As long as there's faculty who feel like their, their academic freedom is getting constrained or their workload is getting increased and, and their, their pay is, is, is stagnating, you know, I'll be with, the, with them. It's, it's about organizing, you know, and I, and I, I want DU to be a place that, that I can be proud of working. And, and uh, you know, the, the, the Brian and, and Victoria and Rose have, have made it clear that, you know, it, the unfortunate history of the school is that it was built for, you know, a certain population, a white elite of the Rocky Mountain West. And so lots of the structures that are there are, are, that, that were built for that purpose are still there. And that, that keeps students from having a voice and it keeps staff from, from, from participating fully in the shared governance of the, of the university. And it keeps faculty from feeling like they have a, a part to play in, in major decisions that end up getting made by just a few people at the very top. And so, you know, organizing everybody on campus is as intensely as I can is, is what, what I'm about. And I, you know, and, and I think that, that it is about power. And the only way that we're going to, we're going to change the power dynamics that are structured into those decision-making processes is by organizing. And, and this is to say that it's not like there's somebody pulling the strings or somebody that, that has bad intentions. It, these things are built in, they're built into the decision-making. And so even a well-intentioned person who occupies some of those, 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 uh, senior positions, you know, they they can't help it but to reproduce these these power relations and these patterns of exclusion. And so it's got to be organizing of, of people on the ground. 
and you know I'm I'm tenured and and have all the privileges that this university might might offer but like I said I'm you know as long as there's a student of color a staff person a faculty anybody who works a cafeteria worker a custodial services worker anybody who works on campus you know who experiences an injustice I'll be with them I attended a university in DC my major is criminal justice and it was a diverse university you know we did a little workshops events but I never had that my first PWI experience at first with like Rose and Victoria did however stepping foot as a grad student into PWI my eyes changed you know just walking across campus by yourself they didn't feel the same and there were some moments where like you know I can look I can read people's face and you're like whoa like he's in class I'm like oh like he's here they didn't have to say anything. I can just, I can just tell by the, the look. So I just kept a mental note of that. But there was this, this one experience where um, I had a classmate. It was a white person. And we exchanged numbers. I thought we were like, I thought we were cool. We took the same class together. And, and like, we took the same class, same notes, same everything. So I thought we, we had a solid relationship instead of friendship. However, there was this like there was this one time it was around midterm or final season where they were forming study groups, and I wasn't aware about the study group. They partnered up with two or three other students, and the only reason why I knew about it was because I overheard the conversation, and I'm t- I'm here telling myself wait a minute, we exchange, we exchange numbers, we, we share the same notes, but you didn't offer, offer me to join your group. And I didn't want to bring up, hey, like, why didn't you offer me? You know, I felt like that would have been kind of too direct. So I, I, kept a mental, I kept a mental note of that. And at that moment, like, I didn't, I wasn't sure what, I, what or how I was feeling. So I went to uh, Aaron, just expressed to my frustration. I guess you can say I went to him as like a person of guidance slash maybe on a spot counselor. <laughs> and it just made me, it just, it made me feel great to vent to someone because I, th- I never thought I was going to experience a situation like that. You know, to this day, like I remember, I remember it. I learned to let it go. But when I, if I see, if I see the same person on Zoom or um, in campus, I'm going to remember the event. And I had the option to like talk to this person, but then I told myself, will that fix anything? Is it even worth my energy or mental, mental health, my mental stake? Maybe, maybe not. But the thing is, I recall that event. And, but from since then, everything's been going smoothly. And I just want to provide guidance for other students of color, especially students of color who have no experience of attending PWI. Just just the way Schneider did to me, he provided me guidance. And since I'm about to be done Corbell, I want to provide other students with guidance because I know Victoria, Rose and I, we all have different stories, different backgrounds. So I'm more than happy to share what I have to say. And thank you for having me here. Thank you for having us here. 
right back at you. I just want to say thank you all for being here. Thank you all for being vulnerable and sharing your own stories and for just talking with me about Social Justice Solidarity Series. I love learning from you all. I loved hearing your story. So thank you for, for being here, first off and foremost. Such an awesome opportunity and experience. We appreciate your consideration and having us on the show. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Rage Podcast. The Rage Podcast is a product of the Interdisciplinary Research Institute for the Study of Inequality, or IRISE. To learn more about us and the work that we do, please visit irise.du.edu. To ensure that we can continue to bring you quality content, please be sure to subscribe or follow, like, and share on the platform that you're listening to us on. The music for this particular podcast episode is Blighter by Midsummer. Once again, thank you for listening to another episode, and we'll see you soon. <laughs>